This is the Gospel City Church podcast. Our hope is that this message is helpful, encouraging, and even life-changing as you grow to know the person and work of Jesus. Enjoy this message today. Today's passage comes from Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 through 10. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Amen. Amen. There was a time in my life where I wanted to get really, really good at the guitar. I picked it up in middle school uh, from my youth pastor, and he taught us the basic chords, you know, simple strumming techniques, would teach us those, you know, those 90s worship songs or those four chords, G, C, A, D, and just repeat. Very simple. And uh, I worked hard at picking it up. And so I developed a basic level of fluency in the guitar, but I had aspirations to be much better. I wanted to be a rock star, right? I wanted to learn how to jam out on those, you know, crazy riffs and on those, those bar chords, and that's what I was aspiring to do. I, that was my goal. That was my dream. And so I talked my parents into buying me an electric guitar. I quickly found out how difficult my dream would actually be. It was far more difficult than simple bar chords, And so I knew that it would take a lot of practice, it would take a lot of effort, take a lot of energy to get to that level. But the problem was, I wasn't putting anything into it. I would pick up the electric guitar maybe, you know, two, three times a week for about 10, 20 minutes, and that's what all I would do. And now, 20-some years later, I am a rock star. No, absolutely not. I'm terrible. I'm still at that basic four-chord level, just simple songs. But, you know, what do I expect? I didn't sow into learning the guitar, so therefore I'm not going to reap the skills that would have come from the sowing. You know, in our Christian walk, it can be difficult to measure our spiritual growth. It's up and down. We all grow at different rates. It's very difficult to measure. But there are times in our walk where we can be very passive in our pursuit of spiritual growth. And we wonder to ourselves, why are we not growing? Our spiritual growth is a two-sided coin. On one side, it's God's grace. It's God's sovereign work and the spirit in our lives that allows us to grow. At the same time, on the other side of the coin, there is an active pursuit of holiness. There's an active pursuit of spirituality that we are responsible for. The Christian life is not a passive life, but is an active life searching and seeking after God and living according to his ways. And so in today's passage, what Paul is going to show us is that the Christian life is a life of sowing and reaping. And from sowing, we will reap spiritual growth. And we'll see three different ways Paul instructs us to sow. We're going to see that we can sow to this ministry, sow to the Spirit, and sow to good works. 
So let's begin with sowing to ministry. If you look down with me to your Bibles in verse 6, I'll read it for us. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. For this part, um, we're going to need to talk about money. I know money can be an uncomfortable discussion, especially when it comes to giving and tithing. It's more specifically when it comes to giving and supporting your pastors. And it might be uncomfortable and difficult to talk about, especially from the perspective, from the one who is on the receiving end of this. But we need to talk about it nonetheless. Why? Because it's in Scripture. Because God um, prescribes it for us in His Word. And at Gospel City, we want to teach the entire Word of God in and out of season whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, whether it's suitable for us or whether it's not, because all of God has been given to us. It's all God-breathed, and it's profitable to us for godly living. So Paul, simply put in this verse, is telling the Galatian church to support those who preach the gospel, to give them a living, to give them their wages for their labor. And we're going to see this principle further evidence in other parts of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 13 and 14, Paul writes, Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? And those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. Again, in 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18, Paul writes, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Scripture is very clear in its instruction. Those who are teaching and laboring for the gospel should make their earning their wages from that labor. But we would be greatly amiss to think about it as just a simple transaction. I attend this church, so therefore I tithe. And from that tithe, the pastor gets his salary, and he does his job. He does his job, the church stays open, we do it again another month. That's a very practical, simplistic way to think about it. But if we look deeper into what is being instructed, we'll see that something spiritual is going on. There's something of greater significance in what God instructs us to do. This verse just says for us to share all good things. To share is from the Greek word koinonia, and it's this idea of to do together, to share our things with one another. And it's also used in the, uh, to refer to fellowship. So there's a fellowship between the pastor and the church members. The pastor shares his spiritual gifts by loving the church, caring for the church, counseling the church, faithfully teaching the word of God. And in turn, the members of the church, they share their physical gifts, finance. And thus, there is this fellowship between the pastor and the members. The church is built up in this way. The body is edified. And through this, the pastor, what he's now able to do is commit himself deeper into the study of the word, to commit himself full-time to care for the people of God, for the shepherd. And as a result, as a member of the church, through that faithful preaching 
And through that shepherding, you are being encouraged and strengthened for your spiritual journey. It's not a simple just tithe, he gets his money, his wages, and that's it. But there's a spiritual thing happening when the church contributes to the labor and the wages of the pastor. The Judaizers in the church of Galatia, they were not in fellowship with the Galatians, at least not in the design that God had in mind for his church. So the teachers, the Judaizers, they were not in the business of caring and loving the people. They wanted to win honor and approval for themselves. It was self-centered acts. Galatians 4.17, Paul refers to the Judaizers like this. They, the Judaizers, make much of you, Galatia, but for no good purpose. The, the Judaizers want to shut you out that you may make much of them. They were coming into the church and trying to bring glory and honor to themselves. And second, their teaching was a false teaching. It was not sound doctrine. They were teaching a false gospel, the almost gospel, where they taught the gospel plus works equals salvation. So they didn't have love for the people. They were teaching bad doctrine. And the Galatian church, they were entertaining these false teachers. They were receiving these te teachings. And as a result, the church was stumbling. They were falling away. They were living in bondage once again and not in the freedom of Christ. So Paul instructs them, share all good things with the one who teaches the gospel, the one who teaches sound biblical doctrine. So into those teachers, and those teachers will then share their spiritual gifts and build you up. If I can just share a word about our pastors here at Gospel City, Pastor Joel, Pastor Shin, myself, we, um, if you met us, if you talked with us, we hope that you get a sense that our greatest desire is not only to serve God first and foremost, is but to see you, the church, grow in your relationship with Christ. We are in it for that. That is our motivation. That is our drive. It's not financial, but we do it and we find satisfaction. We find um, purpose in helping God's people fall in love with him. And so, church, we, on my behalf, I want to thank you for being able to do this work, to be supported by your tithing, to be able to support my family and serve you. And I would ask you to keep the pastors here in prayer, that we would continue to grow in our relationship with Christ, that our gifts would continue to grow to edify the church, to help you in your walk with Christ. Next, we're going to look at sowing to the Spirit. Agriculturally, the concept of sowing and reaping is very simple. All right? You sow a tomato seed, you get what? You reap a tomato. You sow corn, you reap. Right? And so, <laughs> and so the principle goes, you, what you sow is what you reap. Tell your neighbor, you reap what you sow. Many of us who have worked hard for something in life, who have invested in, tr in trying to achieve something, will understand this principle. It's a principle that not only applies to agriculture, but all things in our life. Look back on your college days or your high school days, your drive to graduate. What were you doing through those four years? You were sowing. 
on those days where it's snowing and raining and you were up late night, the night before, you just don't want to get out and go to class, what did you do? You forced yourself to go and you get up and go to class. You were sewing. When your friends are going out for dinner and they're hanging out, you choose not to go, you stay behind and do your work. What are you doing? You're sewing. When finals, midterms come, you stay up those extra hours, even though it's painful. And what you're doing is you're sewing towards your graduation. And then four years later, you graduate. And depending on how you sew, you reaped your GPA. <laughs> if you sewed well, you reaped a higher GPA. If you sew not so well, well, yeah. Uh, fortunately, our college is in the past, right? Those, those transcripts, no one remembers. But this principle not only applies to agriculture or the things in our lives, it applies to all areas, right? In our relationships as well. You sow into a relationship. You spend time with the person. You listen to them. You're invested in them. You reap a healthy, um, loving relationship. Same things goes with our hobbies, our interests, all areas of life. And what Paul here today is teaching us is it goes beyond the physical world we live in and it applies to the spiritual world as well. Let's look down at our Bibles and read verses 7 and 8 together one more time. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. If I'm eating a large Big Mac set and a McFlurry every single night for dinner, I am deceiving myself if I think I can live a full and healthy life. I would be in disillusion if I thought my health was not deteriorating. So it is the same with our spiritual lives. We cannot mock God. We cannot treat him lightly. If I'm sowing to the flesh, it's going to be hard to expect myself to be growing in the spirit. If we desire to grow in our spiritual lives, we must sow to the spirit. And so let's take a moment and define these terms. Sowing to the flesh, in the basic sense, is acting in your own self-interest. Sowing to the spirit is acting in God's interest and the interests of others. So if I'm sowing to the flesh, in other words, if I'm just acting on my self-interest all the time, what I'm doing is I'm sowing seeds of pride, greed, jealousy, envy, bitterness, resentment, sensuality, deceit. If I'm sowing these seeds in my life, I will reap, as Paul says, corruption. There will be decay, there will be destruction, as the Greek word also describes it as. There are consequences in indulging our flesh. But if I'm sowing to the Spirit, in other words, if I'm acting in God's interest and the interest of others, then I will reap eternal life. But we got to be careful here. Paul is not saying if you sow well and you sow continually and you sow and you do good, you are earning your eternal life. The entire book of Galatians is set on battling that misconception that we can somehow earn our salvation. Paul is not saying we sow to earn our salvation. So what is he talking about? He's certainly not contradicting himself. 
And the best way to understand it is the phrase, already but not yet. Already but not yet. And simply put, it's, it's this. For those who believe in the gospel, who put their faith in Jesus Christ, your salvation, your eternal life has already been accomplished, has been accomplished by Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can do to add to it. There's nothing you can do to take, it away, take away from it. But now, as we journey in this life to what has already been accomplished to us, we're not there quite yet. We journey in this life, in this flesh. And on this journey, you have been given a new heart. You've been given a new nature, as Paul describes. And with that new nature, out of love and gratitude for what Christ has done for you, you are now able to love God and love neighbor. And this Christian journey is sowing to the Spirit. It's growing in that as a result. But here's the thing. We don't do it perfectly. It's up and down. But the idea is in the Christian life, you're constantly and slowly growing until you reach perfection and eternal life. Now, as we journey, though, how you journey through this life is greatly impacted on how you sow. So, in other words, for the believer, eternal life was purchased and promised to you by Christ. Your destination is secure, but the journey to your destination is impacted by what you sow. If you desire to reap the fruit of the Spirit along your journey, it's not done by sowing to the flesh, but it's done by sowing to the Spirit. If you want to have greater Christian joy and assurance and peace that comes from walking with God, it doesn't come from sowing to the flesh, but sowing to the Spirit. Our responsibility is to sow to the Spirit, and then it's the Spirit who will, who will produce the growth in us. So I want to ask you, church, what are you sowing to in your life right now? What is it that you are sowing? Maybe we're sowing to the flesh with our thoughts. It could be jealousy, envy, bitterness, unforgiveness, pride. We could be sowing to the flesh with our actions, unhealthy relationships we entertain, questionable movies or content we consume online. Activities we fill our time with, the books that we read, these actions and thoughts we sow to the flesh will make this journey more difficult. So what we want to do is crucify the flesh. We want to destroy those seeds before they even have a chance to be planted. And the best way to do it is not just sheer willpower and force. I'm going to stop going and watching these movies. I'm going to yes, we we do make an effort, but the best way to combat the flesh is to sow. To the Spirit. We sow to the Spirit through diligent practice of prayer and the Word, through diligent practice of fellowship with believers, through worship and communion, through diligent practice of loving our neighbors. Sowing to the Spirit will bear fruit in your life and give you greater Christian joy, assurance, and peace as you journey to eternal life. The harvest of your journey will reflect what you sow. So deep, sow deep into abiding relationship with Christ. Sow into your relationship with Christ and follow his example. Um, call it a gap in knowledge, but as I was preparing for this sermon, I learned that 
The way to grow potatoes is through not a potato seed, but an actual potato. You replant a potato. I didn't know that. But anyways, <laughs> anyways, many years ago, these Chinese farmers, uh, they theorized that they could eat all the big potatoes in their batch and keep only the small potatoes and sow those. And so they went through with this theory. They went through with this plan. And after many, many years of doing this, what they found themselves was that they were startled by a discovery that nature had reduced the size of all their potatoes to just these tiny little potatoes, and they were no longer producing these big potatoes. And, and they understood now this principle, this concept of you reap what you sow. Your harvest will reflect your sowing. So church, I encourage you, sow into a deep abiding relationship with Christ and follow his example. We're going to finish off by looking at how Paul tells us to sow to good works. Sowing to good works. Paul moves on to finish this section with a practical way of sowing to the Spirit. We mentioned earlier that sowing to the Spirit is seeking after God's interests and the interest of others. So as a practical way of seeking interest of others, we do good to them. We do good to them. Let's look down in your Bibles to verses 9 and 10. I'll read that for us. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we do not give up, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. This week, um, one of our church members suffered uh, from a ruptured disc in her back. It was very bad. It was an emergency situation. The disc had come out so much from her spine, and it was digging so much into the nerve endings where she was unable to move. She was unable to get up and walk. Uh, fortunately, there was another church member with her, and that member was able to, take, able to take her to the emergency room at night. And as she was at the hospital, they assist, uh, assessed her condition, and it turns out that she needed to stay into the hospital, at the hospital. She was hospitalized. And what was remarkable about the situation, what was encouraging uh, for me, was to see members of our church, two ladies in particular, who were so willing and eager to step up and do good. As the opportunity presented, him, presented itself, they stepped up to help this church member in need. You know, she's practically immobile, unfamiliar with the Korean language, in agonizing pain. But these sisters made a sacrifice to stay with her overnight. And the task was not easy. If you've ever been bedside at a hospital in Korea, it is not an easy situation. Um, those cots, those are, they're rock hard. They're not easy to lay down on. Um, you're sharing this room. There's multiple people in the bedroom. It's hard to sleep. Even if you're able to close, close your eyes, you're not getting a deep sleep, and, and it just ruins your next day. It's emotionally and physically draining. It required a huge sacrifice, and yet they were so willing to do it. How does that happen? I do, before I move on, I do want to uh, mention that she has received uh, treatment. And she's recovering. We're going to keep her in our prayers and uh, pray for a successful recovery. But how does that happen? You know, the, throughout history, the church has been marked with selfless 
service towards others. The first hospitals that were created in the Middle Ages were by Christians who desired to help the sick and the poor and the needy. And to this day, this type of service continues. If you look at the organizations that respond to humanitarian disasters and needs, by far the overwhelming majority are Christian organizations. So what, it is, is, what is it about Christians that we are able to drop what we have and look towards others and serve them and love them? And it's because we know what Christ laid down for us. We look to Christ. Because Christ, even though he was rich, he made himself poor. So, through, so that through his poverty that we may become rich. And when you're living in that freedom, you are able to look away from yourselves and look to your neighbor and love them and do good and carry their burdens. The believers in this room, their family, that's who they are. They are family. They are our brothers and sisters. Because of what Christ has done for us, we were adopted into God's family as his children, as his sons and daughters. And that is our foremost identity. Before you, your age, your ethnicity, your gender, your job, whatever it is, your foremost identity is in Christ, that you are a loved son and daughter of God. And there is a room full of people here who share in that identity with you. They are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And God calls us to do good to all, but especially to our brothers and sisters in this room. But as you strive to do good to one another, we grow weary. We grow tired. Physically, our bodies fail us. Mentally, we lose strength. Emotionally, we get exhausted. And in some cases, on top of all the weaknesses of our flesh, we have brothers and sisters who slight us, that hurt us. And what we do is we draw away. We turn from them. And worse, we hold grudges, and we don't forgive them. Whatever the reason Maybe Paul encourages us not to grow weary in doing good because just as sure as a tomato seed will reap a tomato, our good works will see a harvest. The principle of sowing and reaping applies to the spiritual world, yes, just as it does to the physical world. You sow a spinach seed, it takes about 30 days before you can reap it. You sow an asparagus, it could take up to three years before you see a harvest. And so it is with our spiritual world as well. We do good. Sometimes we'll see results. We'll see a harvest right away. Sometimes we'll see it in a couple weeks. Sometimes it will take years, and it will be grueling and tiring. And in some cases, there will be times where we will not see a harvest at all. But be rest assured that a harvest is coming. In God's kingdom, if you sow, reap, sow by doing good, there will be a harvest. And Paul encouraged us to not lose heart and persevere. Don't give up in the middle. Bear each other's burdens and do good to one another. Uh, our sister who was in the hospital from this back pain, she, she sent me this hymn. 
And, and the lyrics were just such an encouragement. It was encouraging to her to have these sisters help her out. And, and I think this hymn just greatly just paints a picture for us of what the church body is, of how we love each other and help each other. I'll read that for us. Bear ye one another's burdens as ye struggle on through life. Turn not on your erring brother. Add not to his care and strife. Let your heart be kindly for him, for this world with sin is rife. If his burden be so heavy that he stoops beneath the care, help him bear it. Of your vigor, give him as well you can spare. Wipe away the tears of sorrow falling from his weary eyes. Point him to a joy eternal in the land beyond the skies. Ere his pining heart in anguish, bitter, hopeless anguish dies. Sympathy and love can brighten burdens that are hard to bear. Angels bright will help you nobly, angels from the land so fair. Wrap not close your mantle round you, mantle dark of selfish pride. In your bosom, gentle impulse, do not strive to crush or hide. There's much of good and evil in this world so broad and wide, much for willing hearts of labor, much of good there is to do. Then arouse, let not the burden bearing heavy on the few. Church, God has given us a family beyond our physical family, a spiritual family here. And journeying through this life, you all know, is difficult. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of pain. There are things, this world is not the way it was intended to be. And God gives us a family to journey together to help carry our burdens this is, how we, this is how we journey until we reach eternal life. I encourage you, church, to do good to one another, to carry each other's burdens. And as you do, let us look to Christ. Because Christ came, and he took on flesh. And as he was here, he never ceased to sow to the Spirit. He lived a life of perfect obedience and love to the Father. He came and loved people perfectly. He lived a life that we cannot live. And from his life, and then his death, and his eventual resurrection, he reaped eternal glory. And he is sitting in the heavens with the Father. And here's the great thing. He promises to share that glory with us. That glory is promised to us. It's already been accomplished. And as we journey towards the church, let's love one another and carry each other's burdens. Let's pray. If you've been blessed through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. Gospel City is a gospel-centered church in Seoul, South Korea, on a mission to plant Korean-speaking, healthy, gospel-centered churches. You can give by going to the website give.thegospelcity.org. Thank you for listening, and subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Remember, Jesus changes everything.